Welcome to Marin Costello Radio, where we have intentional conversations with impactful people. Your weekly dose of motivation, inspiration, and entrepreneurship. Join me as we explore the ins and outs of building and running a business, interview leaders across all industries, and find the common denominator beneath it all. Welcome to Marin Costello Radio. Friends, we have such a special guest on the show today. She is a dear friend of mine and also the beloved significant other and future baby mama of my other friend and former Marin Costello radio guest, Caleb Campbell. Kara Elise Campbell is a transformational executive coach with an emphasis on embodied leadership. She is the co-host of Revolutionary Relationships, a podcast to empower you on your emotional, relational, and spiritual evolution. Her group program called Reclaim helps women reclaim their relationship with their body, their voice, and their life. Whether leading your team, your family, or yourself, Kara is passionate about empowering women to reconnect to the wisdom of the body. Kara spent eight years working as a celebrity chef and experienced curator, which is how we met. She believes that food is a modality to help us connect to our bodies, and when we connect to our bodies, we unlock our lives. By creating safe spaces and helping women reframe their sense of self, Kara has helped hundreds of women come back home to their bodies and step into new levels of leadership. Please welcome my sweet friend and the little plus one in her belly, Kara Campbell. (laughs) Hello. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for being here today. Honestly, this is like my favorite part of my day. Probably my favorite part of my month. I just love talking to you and to do it on a podcast is like, duh. So I want everyone to know that Kara and I have been able to maintain our relationship through the art of voice memos since we both moved out of Los Angeles. I mean, 10 points for voice memos because that is literally our love language. We have like a long distance love note, uh, voice note relationship because you and I both live very busy lives and sometimes the phone is just hard, but I need to hear your voice. I like actually want to hear from you. So the voice note thing is the best. It's the best. How are you feeling? How are you doing? Tell us everything. I am doing so well. Thank you for asking. Um, I was just saying to you before we hit record, it's crazy that we're at the end of the year and I've got eight weeks left of growing this tiny little baby inside of me, which is just a whirlwind. It is such a whirlwind. And it was interesting as you were reading my bio, I was thinking about all this work that I do in this, in this realm of embodiment and helping women come back home to their bodies and pregnancy is a new level of embodiment. It is a totally other experience that is wild and transformational and vulnerable and all of the things. It's like the expansion of embodiment for me. So overall, I'm doing really great. I'm feeling feeling good. I'm feeling excited to know this human. But yeah, I'm feeling really good. Do you feel like, and we'll get into your career and your career path, but do you feel like through going through pregnancy, you are going to maybe shift or open up a new avenue in your work? Absolutely. 100%. I feel like this journey of pregnancy, which I can speak to a little bit, has been so, um, so powerful for me. And it's been a both and, right? I really love operating in the world of both and 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 thinking about all the ways we can be non-dual because it's been massive celebration and it's been massive grief and it's been massive stepping into and it's been massive letting go of. And so I can imagine going forward in my career, I really, I, I love this space of motherhood that I'm starting to step into. And you know this, but my friend group has always jokingly called me mom 
because I have this <laughs> desire Guilty. to care Guilty. <laughs> and to nurture and to, to provide and, and, and really be a caretaker. And so I think, I think that's in a lot of us as women and men too, but I think working with women, I see that a lot. So to answer your question, yes, I would love to evolve into, uh, working with moms. I think it's a, such a significant space. It's so amazing. It's so amazing. So this is a question that we ask on every show to kind of give a full scope of, of the human that we're speaking with. What was little mm. Kara like? Oh my gosh. I love this question. Oh, I spent a lot of time with little Kara. <laughs> I've done a lot of inner child work and I spent a lot of time with her coming back to her. The huge part of my journey was really this idea of coming back home to myself, which we'll talk about, but uh, little Kara was very, very talkative. She was very social. No, you're kidding. My mom said that there's stories she has where she would like miss exits on the highway because I was just talking so much or we would be in grocery stores and I would just spark up conversations with people. So clearly you can tell I am a talker. I've always been that way. Um, I also, I, as a little girl, loved hosting and curating, which makes sense when you look at my life. But I was always um, like at my birthday parties, I was organizing who sat where and I was helping do the food with my mom. And I was recording. I actually was recording a little cooking show when I was like six years old, making my own little cooking videos in the kitchen, which is really fun to think about uh, now considering my career path. But yes, I was very social, very alive, very free. I mean, most of us probably were, but just this in lower inhibition freed kid. So our mutual friend, Ripley Raider, who we found out was a mutual friend after you and I started our friendship in LA. Uh, but she said on the podcast, when I had her on, she said, I believe we, we come out fully cooked. And I mm. loved that. I love that. Cause I just thought, Oh, that's so true. That is so true. 100%. I think we come out fully whole, fully complete, fully put together. And I think a lot of the journey actually in adulthood is remembering ourselves back to that place, remembering ourselves back to that, that free whole little kid version of self. Right. It's, I mean, it's how we come into the world and it's kind of where we go when we leave. Yeah. I love yeah. that. So you are one since I've known you who has, and just to give some context, Karen and I met each other during our professional lives, but I would say on the like early end of the brink uh -huh. of us both creating, truly creating our brands in a holistic sense, right? So we were both doing versions of what we were doing now, but not to the extent it wasn't fully realized. The clarity wasn't fully there, but now I feel like we're both very much at our purpose. It's really interesting to kind of see mm -hmm. how you and I have been aligned in that way. Yeah. Um, and since I've known you, you have always quote unquote done the work. And for those who don't understand what that means, I one want to ask, how do you define doing the work? And secondly, yeah. what was your first experience of doing the work? When did you start doing the work? Yeah, uh, I love this question, Marin. I think it's actually really helpful to put language to this concept of doing the work because we hear a lot of it right now, right? Like I see it all over Instagram and I see it in our friend groups. <clears throat> for me, doing the work means becoming a human that is emotionally aware of self. So doing the work to understand who I am, how I'm showing up in the world, um, how I'm operating, what my, what my operating system looks like. If I think about like a car, <laughs> it's a bad analogy, but if I think about a car, 
we want to understand the ins and outs of the way it works, right? So we can fuel it well, so we can take care of it well. And I feel like with ourselves, we're in relationship with self. This is a huge part of my work is, is helping people understand the type of relationship that they are in with self. And we are in a long-term, lifelong, committed relationship with self. It's going to be the longest relationship you ever have. You're never getting out of it. And so part of doing the work is fostering and creating health within that relationship. So how am I speaking to myself? How am I showing up for myself? How am I either self-abandoning or, or showing up fully for who I actually am? How am I learning my triggers and my cues and understanding the way that I individually as a person operate in this world? So doing the work really is about taking inventory of the kind of relationship you are in with you. So I think that's my, that's my explanation of doing the work. In terms of my experience of doing the work with myself, you know, I think I am, I think I have always been wired to want to understand why. I can remember when I was 13, we went through quite a massive family trauma experience. And at that time, I needed to understand why is this happening and why am I responding in this way? And <clears throat> my parents did the very best they could with the tools they had but they didn't have a lot of tools. They weren't going to therapy. They weren't necessarily in relationships that were helping them develop this skill set of emotional maturity and emotional intelligence. And so as a little kid, I think I was hungry and curious to really understand why am I, why am I the way I am? Why am I operating in behaviors that uh, are destructive? Or why am I, why am I operating in behaviors that feel really good and, and kind of I, I look back and I think I always was taking an inventory of myself. Mm. Um, but really, when I got into my teens and probably into my early 20s, I developed a really dysfunctional relationship with food. And so because of that, um, I think that was a really strong impetus for me to understand what's going on inside of me. Why am I, why am I in this dysfunctional relationship with my body and food? And so through that journey, as painful and long and tedious as it was, it was a, a really important journey for me to do the work, right? For me to understand why am I operating the way I am? What needs to heal? What needs, uh, quote, medicine? What needs love to actually heal in these spaces? So, yeah, I think I was wired to do the work. I think we all are. <laughs> but some of us just need, you know, we need the empowerment and we need the tools. That is amazing. I didn't actually know that your, your work with food was fueled by trauma around food. I mean, I have so much trauma around food. I mean, I mean, culturally on my mom's side, Pacific Islander food is the answer for everything. If you're happy, eat. If you're sad, eat. Your ear hurts, eat. Your ear doesn't hurt, eat. Like you know what I mean? you're tired, eat. If you're too sleep, like if you're awake, like you probably need to eat something. So for yep. me, food was always the answer. And then if you couple that with being in two dance companies and having 360 mirrors around you from the ages of three to 18, it kind yeah. of messes with your brain a little bit. So I had no idea, actually, I mean, you have an, and I have known each other for I'm close to a decade, probably. I had no idea yeah. that that, I mean, this is a whole nother subject for us to talk through. <laughs> totally. This is a whole nother <laughs> podcast. <laughs> yeah, it really is. It's, it's a topic that I, um, I'm speaking about more and more now. Uh, and I, I actually really love talking about because it's a, it's a universal experience, mm -hmm. right? Our relationship with food is, is a huge part of our lives. And there's so many ways where food is meant to be this connective celebratory gathering experience. And 
in little ways it gets twisted and thwarted and turned into things that it's not really meant to be. And at the same time, I have so much compassion for that in the same way where you were uh, saying, you know, your family was using food for everything. My family used food to distract when something was hard, when something was emotionally difficult, go get a snack or like go have a cookie or go make yourself feel better with this food. Right. And so there's all these ways we, we've learned to relate to food that that can be quite destructive. And so, yeah, unpacking that was a massive part of my journey. Oh my goodness. That's amazing. So you are now a well-versed executive coach and you, again, mom have essentially coached everyone around you and, and not coach as in necessarily directed. Although I feel like there was some direction in that coaching just innately for you. It felt more like just support and guidance. You have been supporting and guiding folks as long as I've known you and all the people that I've met in your life, as long as you've known them. So I'm going to say close to forever, but what was <laughs> your personal experience with coaching, either giving or both giving and receiving coaching? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I love, I love the way you framed that. I, I view coaching very much as um, me getting to point you back to the wisdom that's already inside of you. It's already there. And sometimes we need people to just help us see what's already there. So I, um, when I was in grad school, I went back to grad school to get my degree in human development, which is a blend of sociology, psychology, and theology. And when I went back, I worked in residence life. And so in residence life, um, I oversaw a, a team of student leaders, essentially. And part of my work was to have these one-on-one -on -one sessions with each of my leaders every week. And so I was doing, now looking back in hindsight, however many years ago that was, 14 years ago, um, I was doing coaching, right? I was doing coaching then because that's what you're doing. You're helping people see what they can't see. Uh, at the same time in residence life, I was also hosting for this group of student leaders, hosting a dinner every single month. So I was getting to kind of play with two of my loves, this world of hosting and creating a, a safe space around food. And I was getting to work one-on-one <clears throat> -on -one with, uh, with individuals to really look at what was going on for them. So I had, I had small intentions back then actually to go into some form of therapy uh, because I, I love therapy and I think it's really helpful. But my life took me a different direction. I moved to LA and I started my dinner party company and I worked in the chefing world for a long time. And then through the food world, I started doing these uh, intentional dinner parties where we would have dinner with a group of strangers and we would ask an intentional question and we would gather around food and we would kind of dive into that heart space, that development space around food. And then that evolved into the retreat space where I was doing a lot of food for retreats, but also creating workshops and, and leading, um, leading you know, small group sessions on anything from the Enneagram to our birth order to whatever it would be. And so I kind of, in that time, was really blending this love of food, nourishing, actually physically nourishing the human body, as well as emotional nourishment. How do we tap into this space of really helping people understand who they are and why they are the way they are? Um, so that was kind of the evolution. And then in 2020, the world paused and all of my outward facing work, which was 99% of my work. So all of my uh, retreats, events, et cetera, were put on pause. 
And it was a massive pause button for me to say, what do I really want to do? What do I really want to spend the next decade, decade of my life doing? And in that time of reflection and that, that pause, which in hindsight, I, you know, this is a tangent, but I actually, I love, I love 2020 for that. It gave all of us this collective pause to ask what really matters. And so what came up for me in that time is I want to help people, specifically women, step into their genuine, authentic, true selves. And we can do that through food as a modality. We can do that through a lot of different ways, but really the themes that came up for me were embodiment and leadership. And I had worked with so many women before this, you know this, Marin, but I had worked with so many women before this and friends to really help them step into their purpose, step into their sense of self, step into their identity. Um, I joke with people that I'm a, I'm a business midwife. I want to help you birth what's inside of you. I'm unwell. That is so brilliant. <laughs> right? This is it's my friend Kara, the business midwife. I mean, no, no truer words have been said. Holy moly. <laughs> my mind is blown. Continue, right? please. It's a great, it's a great phrasing for what I do because I want to see you put into the world everything that's inside of you, everything that you want to create. I want to see you win. And so that is what I get to do now in my work in one-on-one coaching is really help people identify what's alive inside of them and how can we get anything out of the way that's keeping them stuck? How can we remove any blocks or narratives that aren't serving you so that you can put into the world what's really inside of you? So you now are in this position of being having all of this acumen and this clarity around your version of coaching, exactly what you do for people who know that they have that guide for others, who know that they can help support others in a coaching method. What Mm. would your advice be to like a younger coach or even your younger self of like how to build this brand and this company and this lifestyle around helping others? Cause I know that it's very, it's very, hip it's very buzzy right now to talk about like coach or whatever but your work right I mean everyone's a coach at this point in time Uh I feel like but I do feel like you know there are certain levels to this right just like there are different levels to jewelry designers there are different levels to coaches and so for someone who is so true and so um authentic in their purpose as you are what would your advice to be for for younger mm. folk and younger meaning not necessarily age, but younger in their journey to being a coach. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love this question. You know, I think part of, part of, um, what makes coaching successful is based on how much work the coach has done. <laughs> so I think that if, whenever I'm talking to someone who's like, I want to be a coach, my advice is go do your work. Go do all of the work you can to get really clear on who you are and what you offer to the world. Because the more I step into coaching relationships, the more I recognize that I have to keep going, right? Like I don't get to sit on the sidelines and be like, oh, I did my work and now I'm a coach. My clients pull me into a greater expansiveness of myself because I have to be able to, I think about it almost like climbing a mountain where I'm not going to climb the mountain for you, but I've got to know the direction we're going. I've got to have the water bottles in my back pocket. I've got to um, know when we're going to take breaks and when we're going to pause. So in order to do that, that means I probably needed to climb the mountain a few times on my own, right? And so whenever someone comes to me and they're like, I want a coach, I'm always 
really, really saying, let's, let's look at you doing your own work. Let's look at what it looks like for you to continually do your own self work so that you have the tools and the capacity to guide and to lead someone else. So make pretend I am, you know, your younger self and I'm going, Hey, Kara, I want to be a coach. And you're like, great, go do the work. Uh What would that mean? Like, can you give, I understand that language because I have been doing and continue to do quote the work, but what are some, some Mm -hmm. methods that people can kind of turn to, to do their, their respective work. And this might not be the same for everyone, but at least somewhere to to start. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Well, I think one question to start with is what do you want to help people with, right? Like what is your, when you think about coaching, what do you want to help people with? At the end of the day, if someone comes to you and they work with you, what are they going to say after their three months or six months of relationship with you? So I think that's kind of a starting point is what what's what's the point of coaching, right? A lot of us have this intention of like, I want to help people. I really want to help people and support people. And that's so beautiful. But I think the more clear we can get on how do I want to help you? How do I want to help you step into this next evolution or version of self is a really important place to start. And then I think um, part two of that is if you want to, if you want to be a coach, get a coach, (laughs) get someone, right? Work with someone who can show you how to guide and lead and support and mirror back. Um, For me, I've had multiple coaches. I work with a coach now. It's a non-negotiable for me. If I'm going to be something, I need to be practicing it as well. So that would be part of it too. And then I think um, part three of that would be in terms of doing the work. um, You know, I think there's so many different ways to do this. Uh, One, therapy, right? Two, getting a coach. Three, surrounding yourself with relationships that are extracting the gold in you and helping you see who you actually are. Um, And living this lifestyle that is you can you can practice coaching without actually being a formal coach you can practice it with your friends you can practice it with um you know uh relationships that you're in and so you can begin this practice work without actually stepping into it fully just to make sure that it's actually in alignment for you that's amazing so i want to go back to during 2020 when you had to take a step back your life shifted a bunch I mean, I personally, I've always loved your content, but I have lived for your content since the pandemic. And I imagine that that has to do with the clarity that you've gotten on yourself, on your brand, on what you're offering in the world. But Mm. I would love to go into like how you develop your content because I find it to be, and of course I know you, so I gives me even more life, but I find it to be so unique in, in the space that you're in. Where Mm. does that, where does that creativity come from? How do you how do you create your content? Mm, uh, thank you for that compliment, by the way. <laughs> I'm like, obsessed. It's so fun. That actually means a lot to me. I think, um, I, ha- I mean, as with probably so many of us, I have such a love-hate relationship with, with content because it's such a beautiful way that we can show up in the world. And then it can also get so twisted and, and complicated and it's based on algorithms and likes. And so there's an internal war. So I appreciate your affirmation as I wrestle through. But content, content. But content, both on social, but also your emails, the, you know, yeah. the, the love and the energy that you pour into your emails for your email list and just all of your messaging has just, I mean, it has, it's just on a different level. And I, mm. you know, it's also, I think that because 
the more time goes on, the more work you do, the more I appreciate the work that you do, the more you put into your work just by nature of, of how things go in time. Yeah. But I do feel like there is just this up level and this more seasoned version of, of, of content. I hate the word, but content that you're putting out into the world. Yeah, no, thank you. I, I definitely receive that. Um, I'm thinking, I'm thinking of how to answer this. And, and the first thing that's coming to my mind is that what 2020 did for me, <clears throat> and I think it did for a lot of people, but what 2020 did for me is it forced me to be radically honest with myself. So there was no more distracting myself with hustle culture. <laughs> there was no more being overly busy and uh, overly social in LA. There was no more um, getting out of facing myself. And so in some ways, I think to answer this question, I part of it is that I got radically honest with myself and I chose that. I chose wow. to be really, really honest with where I was at, with my career, with what I wanted. Um, I mean, I married a partner who is the best possible mirror for getting honest with self. He's, he's incredible and constantly teaching me so much about what it means to be radically honest. Honestly, as a friend of you both, I'm like, <laughs> speaking of 360 mirrors. <laughs> <laughs> totally, totally. You can't be in relationship with Caleb and like, like get away with false self, you know, totally. he's just constantly mirroring back. Who are you actually? Um, so in <laughs> He really is. It's the nice. best. And for those uh, who haven't tuned into that episode, Caleb Campbell um, was interviewed um, on this show. So scroll up to our earlier our earlier episodes on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, and you can listen to Kara's beloved husband and also my my uh, dear friend as well. It was a yes. great episode. We're still we're still finding gems and quotes. Even Danny, our head of creative, was like, "Oh, I." I I saw, I heard this quote in the episode that I listened to of Caleb's. I re-listened to it and there was this new gem that I found. I'm like, I know, like, we'll just quote the whole thing. Let's just quote. He literally, just, he's like a walking quote. It's, it, it's the truth. It's the best. It's the greatest, the greatest, greatest baby daddy ever. So in relationship with him, I think that I have, I reached a new level of, of radical self-honesty and um, and so I think my content has really come out of that place of, of this place of who am I actually, what's actually going on inside of me. I think for a lot of my, uh, a lot of my years of creating content, it was more, what do people need? What do people need? And I think in 2020, I was like, what do I want to say? <laughs> what do I have to offer? What's inside of me that I can, that I can give to people. And so I think my shift has been more around this place of radical honesty this place of what's what's coming from me what's coming from this authentic place in me so i think that's been the shift Marin. i think that's it i love that you mentioned earlier that you have a coach and i find that to be so telling and so important right um where would one find a coach if one was looking yeah. and i believe that we all need coach coaches plural i'm a big fan of having a whole team right yeah of yeah. guides of different sorts but where would one go to start finding one hmm. yeah so um this is a great question i think my recommendation would be word of mouth first mm -hmm. of all um to to find friends who have coaches and and to seek people out that way i 
I prefer to do everything relationally, as you can probably tell, but I, um, I'm always more prone to trust a word of mouth recommendation than I am to find somebody who has the largest social media following. Right. Um, and, and what you want to get at is what kind of transformation did you experience in this relationship with this coach? Right. So if you, if you have a friend who's, working with a coach, that's what you want to know. What kind of transformation are you experiencing? And is that the kind of transformation you're looking for? Because you can get a coach for so many different things, right? We can work on your body. We can work on your relationship with food. We can work on your business. We can work on so many different things, but you really want to get at what is the type of transformation that you've experienced. And so I think, I think that's the starting point is looking around, looking at people you respect who maybe have coaches and saying, how has it benefited their life? How has it implemented, you know, change in their life and looking for that? <clears throat> I think too, just to piggyback on what you said, I always tell people in inventory calls, if you don't coach with me, that's totally fine. Find support, <laughs> like find a coach somewhere else or find support that's going to help you become and develop. Because I think especially living life the way we're living. And and uh, this is a tangent, but you said this, Marin. there are so many coaches right now. Like it's, it's just becoming a saturated market. But I think it's actually because we are moving our lives into, and we have moved our lives into more uh, individual work. And because of that, we don't have the same kind of community support, social teams <clears throat> that used to just be ingrained in the in the work that we did. And so now we need this extra support. We need to create these teams around us. I need my quote board of directors for my own life. I need my my coach that says we're going to work on your business here. We're going to work on your relationships here. And building that structure of support is such a powerful way to really help you evolve and move into the life that you want and help you create the life that you want. So as much as I sometimes harp on the coaching industry because there's so many of us, I also think it's very telling of the type of time that we're in, that we're recognizing we really need, we need these teams and we need support. And so how can I find someone who's gonna help me step into the next level, the next version of myself that I wanna evolve into? But I think that's also important to note. I mean, you can throw a rock, especially in a place like New York and LA, you can throw a rock and hit a jewelry designer, you can throw a rock and hit a coach. And yet you and I still went into those industries and found success yeah. in those industries. So I think that should also give people who are listening, who have the entrepreneurial bug, who want to, you know, have their own business or go into a field that might be quote unquote oversaturated. It doesn't matter how oversaturated a particular market is if you're good at what you do. And by good, mm -hmm. I mean, great. Mm -hmm. I feel like I heard this quote a while back that greatness is showing up in a good way over and over and over and over like good compounded makes great. Yeah. And yeah. so of, of course, like everyone wants to have a great day. We're human. Not every day is going to be a 10 out of 10. Yeah. However, I really appreciate that you went into this field, even though there are so many coaches, like there still is space for you. And honestly, I feel like makes you it amplifies the work that you do even more because of how you, you are in the space. Yeah. Yeah. And it really asks us to wrestle with scarcity mindset too. Right. Because I think, uh, I, yeah, I grew up in the Midwest and more of a scarcity minded home. And so limited, limited amounts of things is ingrained in me. But what I recognize with coaching is that if you can create a transformational experience for someone, <clears throat> there's always room for you. 
there's always room for you to show up. And, and that is my hope always in, in relationship with my clients is I want, I want your life to transform. And so I'm going to do what it takes to help that happen. So I think if you can show up in that way, we don't have to get so concerned with it being a saturated space because I think moving forward, more and more corporations are going to bring in coaches to do things. I think there's going to be more room for development because we're we're evolving as a species. We're evolving in such a unique way. And after after a year like 2020, we've got so much to process and so much to actually work through in order to get us to where we want to go. So I think there's I think there's room. Absolutely agree. I mean, even with my you know quasi small team doing retreats, having these transparent conversations, doing the work as a team is very much part of the culture. Yep. And very much. And I think that that's becoming the norm. I really do. I agree with you. I want to talk about your beloved Caleb, but first your journey, your relationship journey before you met Caleb and kind of leading up to Caleb. Um, I have lots of questions that I actually haven't asked you personally, but we're going to do it live on, on the show Uh, and for everyone to see (laughs) and hear. I love love talking about this. This is probably my, other than, other than watching people transform their lives, this is like my favorite topic, relationships. Well, I also want people to understand the context of Kara when I, when I met Kara, I think we were both single or at least like dating, uh-huh. you know, wasn't serious with any one person <laughs> for all intents and purposes, yeah. we were single. Right. And when she met Caleb, it was this moment of, oh, this is my person. And initially, sometimes when that happens, I, I would say people might be like, Ooh, that's a little fast or wow, this is very open. Uh-huh. I think that happens. I think the reason why I had no question about you and Caleb committing to each other is because of the work that I knew that you did and the work that I've seen you do and how you show up in the world. And I only, you know, until I met Caleb, I was like, I can only imagine how this human shows up in the world to where they would choose each other and be so uh, forthcoming with their relationship publicly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So beautiful. So beautiful. I love that. So Thank let's you. let's talk about your road to Caleb, shall we say? Yes, absolutely. My road to Caleb was long and complicated and lonely and not at all what I expected. So I tell people a lot that I was the girl who at 21, I sat at Starbucks with my girlfriends and I said out loud to everybody, I said, I'm going to get married later in life, like when I'm 25 legitimately believing that 25 was late, legitimately having in my mind 25 as a very late age to get married. To give you context, I married Caleb at 35, so 10 years later. Uh, So that that 10-year journey of singleness was really, really long for me. And when we talk about doing the work, um, a lot of my, quote, doing the work was around my singleness because I had so many ideas of what life should look like I had so many ideas of falling behind, of being behind. I had stories that I was creating of, uh, you know, not being worth love or uh, not being worthy of receiving love. And, And so a lot of my singleness journey and work was unpacking all of that stuff, was unpacking these ways that I was falling into certain thought patterns or or narratives or or whatnot. So 
to, to start, what I want to say to anyone listening is that your love story can be so much better than what you expected. I like I never in a million years would have written my love story the way that it happened. And I will tell you, it is monumentally better and more grounded and exciting <laughs> and fulfilling than I ever could have imagined. Right. So I just want to say that because I think it's really important to to give people the the promise that even if it doesn't look the way that you think it needs to look, it can be better. Um, and part of part of it being better, though, and this is where we get into the work, <laughs> is that we have to let a lot of those expectations of what it should look like die. I talk I I've been talking about this a little bit with pregnancy, but part of the process of pregnancy for me has felt like micro deaths, like little ways wow. of dying to myself. Micro deaths wow. is what I'm calling them. I went to bed two months ago and I said to Caleb, I feel like I'm dying. And he was he said, Well, there's new life coming. So there has to be death if there's gonna be new life, you know. So Thank so you, Caleb, once again. Thank you for being <laughs> such a good mirror. The gospel but according to Caleb. <laughs> totally. It really is. I'm gonna write that book, The Gospel According to Caleb. Oh my it gosh. Really but, but I sat there and I thought, you're so right. And I am someone who, thankfully, in my own story, I've experienced enough, enough death to life <clears throat> that I know that when death comes, there's always new life that's going to follow. But in my singleness journey, there was a lot of dying, <laughs> a lot of dying to uh, the hopes that I had. You know, I remember turning like 33 and literally just staying in bed all day, crying about being 33 and single because every hope that I had had up until that point around finding a partner was not coming to fruition. And there, was, there wasn't a, a hope of it. There wasn't like a prospect. I was very single. And I feel like that journey was constantly laying down the expectations of what I wanted it to look like, what I hoped it would look like, what I, um, needed it to look like to feel okay. And then uh, there was a lot of that. And then about three months before I met Caleb, I wanna say three months, <clears throat> I went on a retreat and this woman got up and she spoke about being single. And I had listened to a lot of speakers talk about being single before. And again, I, had, I was pretty far into my journey at this point and thought I had done a pretty good job of surrendering, right? Like I can surrender what it looks like. Um, and she spoke about being single and she asked the question, she said, if you never get what you want, if you never get that thing you really, really want in life, can you still believe that life, that God, that the universe is good? And I was like, hell no. <laughs> Just a solid no. I cannot. I do not believe that God is good if I don't get the thing that I want. Because what that what that means to me is that this God or this creator is a withholder. And that doesn't feel good. But I didn't like my answer. I didn't like that I was a no. So I went back to my hotel room and I got on the floor and I cried and I wrestled with this idea of, can I believe that life is really good if I don't get the thing that I want? This idea, this thing that I really want. What happened for me, it was probably about an hour of <clears throat> wrestling, internal wrestling. I started to look back at my life 
And I started to look at all of the ways that my life was already really good. So I was in great friendships. I was traveling all the time because I was single. I had lived in London three different times. I was, um, you know, throwing dinner parties for celebrities or whatever I was doing that was good. And I started to recognize, wow, my life is so, so good. So if I can take that truth, that truth of past and recognize that my life up until this point at 34 being single is really good, then I can probably trust that going forward, it's still gonna be good. It might look differently than all the ways that I had expected, but it's still gonna be good. I'm not gonna be without. And so in that moment, I kind of had this, call it a surrender moment of, yeah, I can, I can believe that life is good, even if I don't get the thing that I think that I want. And what I know now, honestly, is that if I had met Caleb five days earlier, it wouldn't have worked, right? The timing of it was so divine. We have a friend, Ali Fallon, who always says, these things take exactly as much time as they take. And it's this line that's kind Shout of annoying. Ali. Shout out to Ali. Shout out to Ali. We love Ali. But it's kind of annoying when you're like, oh, these things take as much time as they take. But it is such a comforting truth statement to me now, knowing what I know, that even the things I'm longing for now, the life that I'm, I'm looking to create now, there's a timing element that we as humans, we, we don't understand and we get to surrender to the flow of it, right? We really get to surrender to the flow of it. And so in the, in the meantime, when we want something, when I want to find a relationship, my work isn't go out and figure out how to get the relationship. My work is how do I create the space to allow that to come to me? How do I get out any blocks or narratives or stories that are keeping me stuck? or keeping me from actually receiving the thing that I really want. So it's just a different paradigm now for me. <clears throat> Falling in love with Caleb really shifted a lot of my paradigms because for 10 years of singleness, I was trying to quote, figure it out. How do I not be single? How do I get out of my singleness? And when I kind of surrendered into my singleness and I said, I accept this here and now, how can I create space to invite in what I want? It came. And so that's kind of this paradigm now that I work with in the rest of my life and even in coaching. How do we how do we really let go of anything that might be blocking us or keeping us stuck so that we can receive the things we really want? That's amazing. I feel like my story in singleness is very similar, right? And I think just in general, just the way that I was raised and programmed, I mean, I was programmed and raised to be a hyper-productive human. And that is who I am innately, but also uh -huh. couple that with an environment that's like, here, go on autopilot and auto speed 24 seven. I'm like, okay, here I go. And I feel yep. like when I was a kid, I missed a lot of, I don't really remember much of my childhood, not because something traumatic happened, even though we all you know, have respective traumas that we move through in doing the work, but there wasn't any one particular traumatic moment. It was constantly thinking about the next thing and being less present and not surrender, not even knowing that surrendering into the moment was an option. Yeah. Right. And so yep. it wasn't until I surrendered into singleness that things really started to bloom. And now I'm like, I love this for me. <laughs> like truly, truly it's, it's the best. I feel like, and, and to your point, I feel like when you said, at 25, you wanted to get married by 25. I feel like the older I get, the younger I feel and the more time That's I actually crazy. have. So the older I get, I'm like, I have 30 years. Like, I don't know. You know, I just, 
Absolutely. I feel like, I feel like time means less when you go inward and when you surrender to the present. Yeah, absolutely. That's such a good way to put it because there really is an experience of when we get more present, when we get more in our actual lives, as opposed to living way out here and, and trying to anticipate what's out here, we do feel younger, right? Yes. I, I am, I'm going to be 37 when I have this kid and I'm like, am I old enough to have a baby? <laughs> am I allowed to have a baby? Am I old enough? Because I feel so, I feel so young and I feel so um, youthful in, in presence in being present. Totally. And alive. Yes. Right. Like living yes. takes on a whole new meaning. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So and, and to, to the girls who, you know, still want to find their partner young, I will tell you, I am a different person than I was 10 years ago. I am a monumentally different person. I wouldn't have chosen Caleb and, um, and he probably wouldn't have chosen me. We were, <laughs> we were very different people. And so there is something really beautiful about if, if your story does, does ask you to wait, you know, if you don't meet your person until later, there, there's such a, a beauty in meeting someone at a time when you just know exactly what you want. And he and I had, you know, our story, Marin, but we met in Kentucky on a writer's retreat. And within three days, I was like, oh, there you are. There you are. I've been, I've been looking for you in my life. There you are. But again, I was able to do that because I had battled and wrestled through 10 years of wanting something so badly that when it actually came, you know, I, I did a lot of work. I, I talked to clients a lot about this idea of what we what we want outside of us. We've got to cultivate inside of us. So I kept looking for this relationship to fulfill me, to find this guy, to be my partner. What I needed to do was to create the feeling of that internally, to create this sense of connection with self so that when it came outside of self, it was really e- easy to recognize. So even some of the work I do <clears throat> with single women is how do we cultivate the relationship that we want outside of us, inside of us first, because that's going to help draw it in. And so I did a lot of that work in my, you know, in my thirties, so that when Caleb came, it was very easy to be like, Oh, there you are. You're my person, you know? So I always, I always want to give people permission to, to let it be, let it be exactly what it wants to be and, and do the work of really creating that, that experience for yourself of, connection to self, safety with self, so that when it comes outside of you, you're able to say, oh, there it is. That's what I want to feel like. I love it. So you create the space internally of the feeling for the thing that you want so that when it does show up, you're like, oh, this is familiar. You're not necessarily in the clouds, right? You know, you can be very excited about something, but you're grounded in it because it's familiar. Familiar. Yeah. And also, if something comes your way that doesn't mimic that feeling that you want to feel, you know that it's not a good fit. 100%. That is a huge part of it. And for me, um, I always joke that I was like a buffet dater. I just dated. (laughs) Literally date anybody and anything. When I met Caleb, I was was working on a, a book called Single and Hungry. And it was all about the guys that I had dated in relationship to food. So the time I dated macaroni and cheese, the time I dated a TV dinner, the time I dated a Snickers bar. And I kept filling up on all these things that I didn't really want. So part of my work was to get really clear on what did I want? What did I want the relationship to feel like? Can I cultivate that internally? And then when it comes externally, I'm able to say yes. But part of that work and what you just identified was 
when things felt out of alignment, I immediately started to say, nope, that's not it. Nope, that's not it. That's not it. And instead of entertaining, you know, all these snacks along the way, really <laughs> all the food analogies. So yeah, everything always snacks, comes back to food. Always. It's so helpful. Instead of entertaining the snacks, recognizing, actually, I, I know the meal that I want to eat and I, I can wait for that. I love that. Well, somehow we've been talking for almost an hour and I don't know where oh that went, but wow. I mean, I could do this all the time. Um, what does your next chapter look like? I know you're a mama, you're expecting to be, a, or you are expecting, and you're going to be a mama officially in a couple of months, but what does your next chapter, both personally and professionally look like? Cause I, I love this conversation of, about and around motherhood and partnership mm-hmm. and occupation, because it looks so different now than it did two, three, five, ten years ago. So yeah. I'm curious what, what your intuitive plan for the next chapter is and also what you're open to. Yeah, I love this question. I, the first word that came to my mind <clears throat> was permission. Mm. So you referenced this, Marin, earlier, but you and I are both productive people. We love being productive. We love creating. We love doing. Um, we've built brands. We put out content. We do a lot. And I will tell you in pregnancy, my ability to be quote productive has diminished monumentally. I don't have the same kind of drive that I had. I don't have the same kind of energy because my body is tired. It's growing a life. And so what has historically looked productive to me, uh, I'm not stepping into in the same way. And so that has been a, a pretty confronting reality. And part of what I've started to understand is that this, this time of allowing my body to create a human life is probably the most productive thing I will ever do in the world. Wow. But outwardly, <laughs> right? But outwardly, it doesn't look very productive. I'm not checking things off my to-do list. I'm not, um, you know, putting out my next, next year's marketing plan. But I am allowing in, in just the nature of the body for my body to create new life, which is freaking productive. productive. When we actually name it for what it is, it's so productive. So I say all that to say, I think this next chapter, um, this next evolution for me personally is really about reframing what productivity is reframing what it looks like to be, um, to be productive in my day to day. And I have kind of given myself permission with work to see what happens, (laughs) which feels very scary for me. It's a very vulnerable feeling because I I love having a plan and I love knowing where something is going. But I think that um, I think that in my permission towards self, what I'm asking is what would it look like to just create the space for this new life to come and allow life to direct me? as it comes, as opposed to trying to make the plan and accomplish the plan. If we learned anything from 2020, plans don't work very well. <laughs> we all had to pivot in some oh, way. Oh my gosh, amen. Uh-huh, we, we all had to pivot. And so I think I'm kind of in this space of asking, I still wanna do my work. I love my clients. I love coaching. I love my relationships that I get to have with clients and I love seeing them win. So I will still be doing that work. 
but I think I have more of a blanket of permission around it to say, if I need three months, four months, six months to take a break, amazing. And luckily I work with women who are very gracious and can allow that to me. And they also, I think, learn from it because, because it's something we all need. We need to give ourselves the permission to, to, to rest and, and let the thing evolve that comes from that rest. So it's a long-winded answer, but that's my next evolution. I'm so excited for you on all fronts. Where can we find you on the interwebs? Yes, you can definitely find me on the interwebs. My website is bycaraelise.com. And then my Instagram is at bycaraelise. And you can connect with me on either of those places. Thank you so much for being here today. You're amazing. I will be calling you immediately after this episode because I am personally not done with this conversation. I'm, <laughs> I miss you already. And we're speaking of being present. I'm not ready to let go of this conversation and I miss you already. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. Thank well, you I adore so much you. Oh my gosh. Thank you for all of your wisdom and for your time. And I'm just so grateful for you and so excited for you on all fronts. Thank you, friend. Love you, mom. Love ya. <laughs> Holy smokes, folks. My heart is exploding. That was just so good. A special thank you to Kara for coming on the show. Another thank you to our hosts at Dash Radio and our producers at Island City Media. If you liked this episode, you can listen to it again and again and again on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Please leave a review so we can continue bringing you the people and conversations that you love. Lastly, if you want to connect with me offline, you can find me at Marin Costello and Marin Costello Radio on Instagram. Have a fantastic day, everyone. A very happy Thanksgiving, and we will see you next week. Why don't you drop it low, drop it low, little mama? I can get you wet, super soaked if you wanna. No games, no way. All gas, no brakes. You can have it your way. You can drop it low within a low rider. With those tight jeans, girl, it's so fire. But if you wanna take it slow, baby, that's okay. I use my hands in so many ways. Nah, nah, nah. So drop it low, little mama. Drop it, so drop I can it. lay you low, little mama. Drop it, drop it low, little mama. Drop it, so drop I can it. lay you low, little mama. Drop it, drop it low, little mama. Drop it, so drop I can it. lay you low, little mama. So drop it low, little mama. So I can lay you low, little mama. Drop it low, little mama. Drop it low. We can go wherever you wanna go Come with me, shorty fly with me I'll take you to a place of ecstasy No need to play silly games, yeah Girl, I am not the one to blame, no I just can't contain myself I need it, cause girl, there's nobody else Believe it, you can have it your way So drop it low, little mama so I can lay you low, little mama. Drop it low, little mama. So I can lay you low, little mama. Drop it low, little mama. So I can lay you low, little mama. So drop it low, little mama. So I can lay you low, little mama. Drop it low, little mama. Drop it low. 
We can go wherever you wanna go Come with me, shorty fly with me I'll take you to a place of ecstasy I love to